Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey guys, this is Dr. Santosh, your pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher. And Santosh, I take it by now you've had time to slip into something more recordable for this session because <laughs> it is Travel Medicine yeah. After Dark. Oh, it oh for you, yes, I'm I am travel medicine at twilight, which is, it's almost there, but not quite. You have sparkly <laughs> vampires around? <laughs> just one. And he just, he ran away. Well, I thought it was good time this week to resume our tour of the zoo. Now, last oh, yeah. time we covered what animals have done for us the medications that have been developed from them their contributions to research yeah uh, this week i thought we would give some of the other animals a chance to redeem themselves and <laughs> see what things they are striving to bring forward to advance the human race <laughs> you know we never kind of put this to the animals we're just i mean we're being very very judgy here for a pseudo competition that we set up all by ourselves here, you know. Dogs and monkeys <laughs> led us to space, Santosh. <laughs> animals. Yeah. There are animals in the zoo who have yet to offer so much as casual health advice. <laughs> I mean, look. Last week we yeah. ended with the beaver, who at the very least produces a substance that is more of a fixative, uh, uh -huh. and. Yeah lends a, a strawberry or raspberry flavor and while admittedly not used much uh, is still uh, not used much in the food industry 
still very popular in the fragrance mm-hmm. industry. So Castorium. But yeah, yeah, so this week we're going out of the reptile house, away from the amphibians, uh, passing mm-hmm. by the birds and heading into large mammals to see what things they can add to medical con- to medical treatments in the future. We're we're going to go to our closest cousins and brothers and sisters here in the mammalian world. Got it. I mean, on a genetic level, I guess we're all close. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was You, me, about. these animals, bananas. Bananas. Yeah, <laughs> Banana- <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're vertebrates. Uh, most of us have got some hair. Uh, you know, the females can give birth to live young, producing milk, all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So the first animal I'm actually going to give a chance to redeem itself is mm-hmm. the giraffe, who I bashed on last time for having contributed nothing. <laughs> well, yeah. good news, Internet. The giraffe yeah. community heard me and reached out. <laughs> the giraffe community had nothing to do with this. This was your dedicated research and stuff. Finding the folks who had either experimented on giraffes or discovered something about giraffes that contributes to human health. Yeah. Okay, but <laughs> this was also published only like a month or so ago, so it's still pretty. <laughs> are you are you genuinely? I mean, I, I I would love to take credit for this seriously. That your wonderful research and our first uh, so we bought a zoo episode and it got broadcast, and someone, either human or giraffe, heard us and went, "It's our time." That's how I like to imagine it taking place. Um, So the giraffe genome was sequenced in full about five years ago. And when you think of giraffes, well, when you as a doctor think of giraffes, Santosh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. What are some of the first medical conditions you think would pop up? Uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, they're, they're large animals with any large animal. Uh, we can talk about, there's just more body there. So, you know, you can get, uh, infections in your lower limbs, uh, that, you know, maybe could happen like that. Um, oh, oh, poor circulation. You could have poor circulation because the blood has to travel and, uh, giraffes, I think, especially have these beautiful, valves i think in their uh neck arteries and stuff to help pump the blood uh against gravity um so uh, i don't know if you could have all of a sudden just like you know if a, if a giraffe became a little hypotensive <laughs> and they just started to wobble and get lightheaded <laughs> whoo like that and then you know lions rip them to bits well considering that giraffes do battle by banging their skulls and necks together uh, yeah, oh, they've got, yeah, yeah, that's you know, right. So you're looking at you know orthopedic wet dreams, and oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. or neurosurgery, right. I guess depends on or who's neurosur- going to lay claim. Yeah, probably both of them together. You know, do, taking care um, of spinal cord trans uh, trans transections. Uh-huh. But I would think one way to offset all those circulation issues would be to develop compensatory hypertension. Oh yeah, yeah. The the blood pressure in a you know giant camel leopard is probably much different from ours 
So this team of researchers from China, Norway, and Denmark compared the genes of a Roth's... <laughs> Sorry. You know all the places where the giraffes are. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Just, you know, you'd think that the African folks would be getting there first. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Researchers from China, Norway, and Denmark compared the yeah. genes of a Rothschild giraffe, uh, which mm -hmm. is what your mental image of a giraffe most closely resembles, with those okay, okay. of 50 other mammals, including some of their closest relatives, like the zebra-sized okapi and others. And the DNA showed some unique mutations linked to cardiovascular features, bone growth and the sensory system oh this is so cool so actually instead of studying physiology they use the genome in order to study these differences that's really cool okay so they found seven mutations that were unique among giraffes and in humans and mice mutations in this same gene are linked to cardiovascular and skeletal and skeletal defects so with a little bit of CRISPR magic the team then inserted giraffe mutations into this gene called FGFRL1 in a group okay. of mice. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So we made uh, genetic mouse-giraffe hybrids, which is awesome. So it's kind of weird when you, you know, you put human genomic features into a mouse we actually have a term for that. We call that humanizing a mouse. That doesn't mean that you're like, you know, making them more sympathetic to our existential condition. <laughs> it means that you actually, you give them humanized features. And often you can use this for testing immune systems or blood types and stuff. But in this case, you're girafficizing a mouse, I guess. Jazzercising? Giraffing? <laughs> Giraffifying. But these mutant mice did not grow long necks or show any obvious change in their cardiovascular system. I want to emphasize oh. that. Not the they didn't grow long necks part. I would hope that would be obvious. But uh, <laughs> no changes, no noticeable changes to their hemodynamics, meaning their vessels didn't change. They didn't produce any new proteins. No apparent effect of these giraffe genes. So the team okay. decided to see how animals would respond to high blood pressure, the normal condition of a giraffe. Okay. So if you so, induce high blood pressure chemically or something like that. Mm -hmm. So of 10 modified mice, five were given a drug to induce high blood pressure, which I believe is mitodrine. I'm going to have to check. Uh, I okay. need to go back to the paper and also injected the drug into five normal mice. The five normal mice, the control mice. The non-giraffified mice, yes. The normal mice developed hypertension and associated kidney and heart damage from prolonged hypertension. But all the mutant rodents, the jazzercised ones, the giraffe <laughs> ones, the giraffeid ro <laughs> mutant rodents, including okay. those given the drug, actually stayed healthy with their blood pressure barely rising at all. So cool. it has a invisible but reactive effect that counteracts the normal effects of hypertension. Neat. Oh, my God. So if we jazzercised ourselves or giraffified, 
<laughs> Potentially, we would mitigate, I guess, the end organ damage from high blood pressure. I mean, it's still a bad thing because you're kind of then get, giving permission for people to treat themselves badly and still get high blood pressure, but their kidneys and stuff wouldn't get shot the way that it normally would with years and years of high blood pressure. Now, this isn't an end-all, be-all, of course. First off, we don't know how this would translate to humans until we start creating giraffe-human hybrids, and I think we're <laughs> at least a few years away from that. <laughs> yeah. Second, there's a lot of genes that affect high blood pressure. There is no guarantee that this would have all the same effects, but it does open up some potential areas for future study for human medicine. They also have, you know, some of the best eye development and vision of all hoofed mammals and oh, sleep only okay. 40 minutes per day and three to five minutes what? at a time. Not <laughs> that we are going to take on those abilities. That would be crazy. <laughs> That's uh, so all I just all wanted to share things... giraffe facts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when we're saying like, Oh, he's got eyes like a hawk. Should we be more like, oh, he's got eyes like a giraffe? <laughs> no, hawks are still far better. But if you are okay. idolizing hoofed mammals, then yes, <laughs> sure, <okay>. giraffe <laughs> is really top of the food chain. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, gotcha. One of the things to be worried about in giraffes and apparently in humans. Now, this is not a clickbait to terrify you. This was simply an academic point of interest okay. noted in correlation listening sure, audience sure. yes yeah good good preface i like it i feel like i need to because we know that for most cancers risk increases more with age as well as a number of factors uh like smoking or exposure to radiation or things like that but what about the effect of having more cells in the body in what could have come straight out of i don't know a twitter poll somebody sure. <laughs> asked can taller people be more prone to cancer because they have more cells? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And this has to do with, you know, just the more cells you have, the more cell divisions that they are. And so this is just a statistical feature. Um, but I guess you could go even further out, right, Josh? Like you could go, what if you had a really big, animal you know the well we'll get whales. to the animals in the moment but okay okay but i'm not done terrifying you yet yeah <laughs> right. not that you're right. not that you're particularly tall no no no. i'm i'm going through other things like if you have a tall bald man like are they gonna get more melanoma because they're closer to the sun <laughs> actually you're not wrong oh okay okay <laughs> okay all so, right so you'll laugh because let's let's start by talking about some of this research and then we'll get back to the animals. Um, sure. Evolutionary biologist Leonard Nunney at UC okay. Riverside look mm -hmm. at UC Riverside looked at four large scale surveillance projects on twenty three cancer categories, and when he basically did a meta analysis of the data, he found that all of these studies established that tall individuals are at an increased risk of cancer with overall risk increasing about 10% for every 10 centimeters or four inches for those of you not in the metric system, 10% uh, oh, for every four inches in height. 
Wow. Now, okay. there again, just like with the hypertension, there are a lot of factors that independently influence both height and cancer risk. But testing your, you know, height increases cell numbers and more cells directly increases cancer seems to be supported. It was published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society. Great name for a journal. Yeah. <laughs> they do some fun studies, some others, but yeah, it's just a wonderful name. Um, now, when he performed the gender effect to see if there was a difference, being tall was on the risk of thyroid and skin cancer was high in women. But for men, skin cancer stood out, such as melanoma, show an unexpectedly strong relationship to height. Now, that's not because oh. they're closer to the sun, but okay. because... <laughs> The hormone IGF-1 is likely a, it's a growth factor that's at higher levels in taller adults. All right. Um, the only... I was, I was totally joking about the melanoma thing before. Of the 18 cancers among the sexes, only four showed no difference in height. Um, okay. Pancreas, esophagus, stomach, and mouth. Doesn't care how tall you are, how short, what gender, those seem to appear equally based on the factors he looked at. Right, right. And so these are all, by the way, mathematical and statistical tools that he's using to try to isolate these variables without explaining it in, in too much detail. Got it. Okay. So now, now let me bring you briefly back over to the next exhibit because if all else is equal, <laughs> yes, okay. long, large, Long-lived animals should experience higher incidence of cancer than small, short-lived animals. That's why mice usually don't get cancer unless we induce it. Why big dogs are more likely to get cancer than small dogs. Why older animals or older creatures are more likely. So yeah, uh -huh. when you start getting up to larger sizes, there is no tendency in some very large animals to be more cancer-prone. This is called Pedo's paradox. Oh, Okay, uh, uh, after like a Dr. Pito paradox being, hey, there really should be much, much higher rates in cancer in giant friggin' animals. So blue whales, effluents. So let's turn around. So okay. let's move on to our next zoo exhibit and see if we can resolve Pito's paradox, which is quite the elephant-sized mystery. And oh, look, <laughs> over here we have an elephant. Hey, so, there's Satosh, an elephant in the room. Thank you. So why do elephants not get cancer more living as long as they do and being so large? Okay, I, I'm thinking that these animals had to evolve over time, right? So when you had gigantism involving evolving in these creatures, so the trait of being very, very large in modern elephants, modern whales, and this kind of a thing, over time, they, you know, started off a certain size, and then generation by generation, the larger ones were selected out, and they still had to survive and stick around, which means that those animals, which had something in them, aside from gigantism, but if they weren't able to control this, you know, cancer, bigger animal, more cancer type of a thing, if they weren't able to control that. So there has to be something genetic, Josh, about 
they while they were getting bigger, that same evolutionary period when we get to modern elephants, they had to have brought along something in in their genetics to fight off cancers even as they got larger and larger. That's the only I think that's my favorite explanation. Joshua Schiffman, pediatric oncologist out at the University of Utah, and his team confirmed that Pedos paradox is a real phenomenon in elephants by studying necropsy records from the San Diego Zoo. Oh, and only about okay. 5% of elephants or less die of cancer compared with 11 to 25% of humans. So they took oh. samples of elephant blood because that's the easiest way to start and found that elephants have at least 20 copies of the P53 gene from each parent. Oh, the great gatekeeper, the master so Santosh, controller. Yeah. Santosh, in his concise, succinct, <laughs> and brief form as yeah, possible, yeah. what do you remember about P53 from our earliest years of medical school? Oh, yeah. So this is actually pretty easy to explain, right? Okay. Cancer in its most fundamental explanation is cells dividing out of control and going places where they shouldn't go. So cell division is at the heart of cancer. That's It's super, super important. In our genetics are genes to encode a bunch of proteins to help our cells divide and to slow it down and to check the genetic code and the health of a cell to say, hey, you're ready to divide or nope, stop, you don't divide and you die kind of a thing. One of the most important genes that is a checkpoint for cell division is P53 and it performs kind of one of these last checks, Josh, where it goes all right, you are ready to divide your genome and then turn, you know, split up into two cells. If P53 says yes, then cell division can go ahead. If P53 says no, then cell division has to halt and the cell heads towards apoptosis or kind of cell suicide and death. So it's not the only controller of cell division, but it is a major one. And you and I both know, actually, Josh, seeing cancer patients, if they sequence the genome of a cancer in a person and there's loss of P53, then we know that there's a poor prognosis. That cancer is really, really just going to divide out of control until we do something about it. So, yeah, so uh, that's, that's P53, in, the master controller. So it detects stress or damage in the cell and then stops it from dividing until the stress is passed, the DNA is repaired, or it kills the cell. Mm -hmm. Now, as humans, we get one copy of this from each parent. You know, you, we get some walking around genes. <laughs> That's all we need. Yeah, absolutely. People who have a defective version usually get cancer in childhood and their lifetime risk shoots up to 100% or so. So that's how yeah. necessary P53 is. Now imagine you're walking around with two bucks worth of cancer protection. Elephants have 20 from each parent. 40 wow. genes of P53. <laughs> so the team exposed elephant cells to radiation to see what happens when their DNA gets damaged. And they expected... 
it's a great way to induce cancer, right? You just random mutations, cells mutate out. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Control. Yeah. They expected elephant cells to be better at repairing DNA, but instead the cells were actually twice as likely to die when they had faulty DNA. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that's what it does is the P53 part of the mechanism is it's part of this big sequence that detects faults in DNA that says, nope, if we divide, it's going to turn into cancer. So shut it down and shut it down means that cell's going to age out and probably apoptose and then, you know, self-destruct to, to save and the rest of the organism. So the solution elephants found for nonstop cell division was simply, we are going to throw in a whole bunch of extra killer genes. So we overpower by sheer force of will, any cancers attempting to start division. <laughs> this is so awesome. Yeah. You, you have a massively, increased burden of cells and cell division because you know josh those skin cells constantly sloughing off their dividing dividing gut cells same thing liver you know they're dividing and and replacing uh you know old cells right up until the point you die they're they're so constant so a hundred percent this is so cool that you need co-evolved with your all the other genes that made you big and tank-like is something to protect you from your own cells eating you up that's this is so cool oh my god what an awesome now thing. again short of using nanoparticles to deliver crispered elephant genes to humans um, <laughs> the only way to make use of this discovery at this point in time is to find molecules that might mimic that effect condemning damaged cells to death instead of trying to repair them. So right now, there's not necessarily a way to translate this into a human treatment, but that doesn't mean that there aren't teams working on it. I think much more importantly, Josh, at least for biology as a whole, is this really does show evolution in action, uh, you know, how these traits were selected for, and a very, very simple device um, which is overexpression, replication of a useful gene in context. Um, it should be noted, Josh, this may not work for us, right? We need a certain amount of cell division in order to keep living. So if we have an overabundance of apoptosis of cell death, then the opposite might happen, right? So we we might not be able to tolerate that many copies of P53. So it is it works for a big gigantic aminal, but not necessarily for us. For most of us, two copies is good. 
Unless, of course, we begin to get as large as elephants. <laughs> and if we are then having, if we oh. are then having those kind of cell divisions, yeah. <laughs> we can probably accommodate the extra copies. Yeah, but that's that's a more of a problem that could be, uh, you know, addressed with like you know exercise and limiting calories. But that's for a different different episode. <laughs> yeah. Thick animals apparently get less cancer, Santosh. I'm just trying to uh, interpret the results. <laughs> Sorry. And in fact, right, let us look right. at the let's look at the thickest animal of all, the whale. Oh yeah. Well, uh-huh. well, well, well. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, I I know you don't mean to do this on purpose. <laughs> Yeah, what about whales? <laughs> I'll blow it out your hole. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll have to get over this hump. Back to the episode. <laughs> Scientists have studied potential cancer suppression mechanisms in cetaceans, the mammal group including whales, dolphins, mm-hmm. and porpoises. Yay, yeah, Cetus. Cetus the whale. Mm-hmm. Whales being some of the largest and longest-lived animals on Earth should have a humongously ridiculous risk of developing cancer, but it's one of the least killers of whales. Mark Collins, a professor at the School of Informatics, Computing, and Cyber Systems, decided to look at this along with a bunch of other groups, but from Netherlands, Massachusetts, and Arizona, they compared a whole bunch of different whales looking at the genome specifically of the humpback whale in comparison to nine others to look at how their cancer defenses are effective. And this was just published in Molecular Biology and Evolution. Um, And when I say just, I mean like a year or so ago. So, you know, in science, (laughs) relatively recent. Yeah, absolutely. Recent discovery. At the most basic As we said, cancer is a disease of cell division, um, which is often driven by evolution. Um, We have different kinds of genes in our body. There are somatic genes and sex genes. The somatic genes are the ones that are basically not carried on our X chromosome or Y chromosome. We used to think there was a pretty strong delineation between our genes on those uh, somatic chromosomes that they made up most of our body and that the X and Y genes, the ones that were on those chromosomes, were sex determining. But it turns out that it's not as clean as all that. But yeah, basically the sex chromosomes are the ones that are carried and perpetuated through our gonads. And ultimately passed on to our kids to help determine biological sex, whereas the somatic chromosomes are not. So So this team of researchers got a small skin sample off a adult female humpback whale in Massachusetts named Salt, known to researchers and whale watchers since the 1970s. So she's got a very well-documented history for a whale by people. (laughs) <laughs> uh, due to all the tours. Sure, sure. <laughs> so they sequenced her genome, compared it to a whole bunch of other mammals like the blue whale, fin whale, bowhead whale, and sperm whale, and found that 
some parts had evolved much faster, especially the ones that contain genes that control the cell cycle, proliferation, and DNA repair. So whereas elephants accelerate the death of mutating cells, Mm -hmm. whales try to fight it off by having more repair genes. Folks who run in and say, oh, let us try and fix it. Gotcha. So when you find a a break in a DNA or if you have a deletion, a missent, any of these things where the, the DNA doesn't align properly and you find a improper, uh, you know, structure to the DNA by one of these enzymes, that rather than shutting the whole damn thing down and say, oh, we got to pitch this cell, say, okay, let's actually repair this stretch. And boom, it's fine. Now you're ready to move on and rep. So a different group of researchers led by Tejada Martinez compared the evolution of genes in 15 different species, seven of them being whales, and found that they have tumor suppressing genes that they gain and then mutate so thereby lose or improve at a rate two and a half times higher than other mammals now this one focuses on repair which could be very useful in a cancer drug where you might have to irradiate large numbers of regular cells along with infected or tumorous cells so having better repair mechanisms genetically would be a much better way for humans to treat rather than simply saying everything to die off. So it's another approach that eventually one day may be translated in if you can find compounds that mimic these effects. Because again, Very what cool. would you call a whale-human hybrid? Blue? <laughs> what? Dabadi, dabadai? Dabadi? <laughs> so this is so cool. Uh, number one, you know, Pito's Paradox and Josh, sorry, I had to look this up while we were talking. But Richard Pito, who was, uh, you know, in all the way back in 1977, an epidemiologist and statistician from England. So he came up with this. So number one, a lot of cancer researchers have to look at this and say, hey, you know what? Pito's paradox looks to be real, number one. And number two, how could this be happening? And this is how we're really breaking down. Oh my gosh, do we have a tumor suppressor like P53? Do we have redundancy of these genes like multiple, multiple copies? You know, uh, do cells mutate less? Do we actually have a better way of repair, a more efficient immune system? And it looks like, you know, we're finding different different strokes for different folks. You know, every giant animal here is figuring out a different way to solve this paradox. This is so cool. Now, I know this isn't an animal you'd see at a traditional zoo, but given that Jurassic Park, whatever they're up to, just came out. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Jurassic Park, the next one, which, by the way, by the way, to be very fair, you know all of the Fast and Furious by heart and have no problem with them getting up to Fast and Furious 25 or wherever the hell Look, they're going. if you enjoy the movies, <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah. I'm not here to yuck your yum. No, I'm no, just not taking the time out of my day to learn the proper name for the film. Okay, Dominion. Okay, fine. <laughs> Jurassic Park Dominion. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, the lack of caring in your silence. (laughs) 
So if we move to a different kind of zoo, like Jurassic Park, we can also <laughs> look at what dinosaurs may have had cancer. Because if you want to start thinking of creatures larger than whales, well, there's only one place to go, and that's <laughs> up. Well, that's true. Although blue whale, as far as we know, largest animal that's ever existed, really. So, uh, but land-based, absolutely, there were big, 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 big things there. Much bigger than blue whale. Why must you <laughs> mammal alone? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Biggest sea creature of all, and you're all on your own. <laughs> Would you get to the dinos, our our tyrannical lizards? So dino tumors actually look very similar to human tumors, but larger. So it's a pretty (laughs) universal disease. And the team traveled North America with a portable x-ray machine, scanning 10,000 different dinosaur vertebrae from over 700 museum specimens. Although they weren't just, you know, randomly combing the deserts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. with a cat scanner yeah, these, <laughs> these were identified specimens where growths tumors had been identified yeah and they looked at on, stegosaurs triceratops and yes and yes even the dreaded way back in the first movie tyrannosaurus rex yeah <laughs> that's true now we have a fossil record and what is preserved there is largely harder tissues right so bone and associated structures we have a few impressions of stuff like feathers but not very easily so more than likely josh we're not capturing the full scope of all the tumors that a tyrannosaurus could have but anything which at least um if it wasn't attached to the bone if it wasn't a bone cancer or a bone tumor then it would have had to have been something that became calcified after the inflammation and stuff that does happen sometimes even with soft tissue cancers. Which opens up a lot of thyroid cancers or also cancers, any cancer that was metastatic to bone, that traveled to bone as a lesion from the original. Oh, so I T-Rex have a prostate? And then it traveled to the... (laughs) And then it metastasized to the... Now, oh, now man, we have to... some weird dinosaur <laughs> questions. Next, next yeah. trip to the La Brea tar pits, Santo. <laughs> yeah, because that's the one of the big ones. Which will, I mean, lung cancer can go to bone, certainly, but you know, one of the ones that we see in adult tumors is 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 prostate cancer, which metastasizes to the vertebrae, right? So, you want to play yeah. stump the docent folks? Yeah. Ask them. Did the Tyrannosaurus Rex have a prostate based on metastatic lesions? But no, uh, only one group in this particular study had significant amounts of cancer: the hadrosaurs or duck-billed dinosaurs. They found twenty-nine tumors in bones from ninety-seven individuals of this plant-based group from the Cretaceous period. So they wouldn't have been in the movie. Um, <laughs> no, they're, they you, you they don't do anything dramatic is the problem because they're just uh, you know. why why they should be prone to lesions in their tails is an unknown question. Oops. I mean, they ate conifers, which are of course very high in carcinogens. Oh, presumably, okay. I don't know. I, I can't back <laughs> that up. 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, I mean, but the yeah. most common cancer found amongst all dinosaurs, not just hadrosaurs, were hemangiomas, hemangiomas, which are of course benign tumors of blood vessels present in about 10% of humans. So, not every dino cancer was necessarily a lethal dino cancer. Yeah, hemangiomas we see them quite a bit in pediatrics, not as much in adults, but if they do form in a child, oftentimes they'll just stay there and either, you know, they'll grow a little bit with the child, but, you know, if they're not causing any trouble, we'll just leave them alone. So basically when your blood vessels are forming and they're branching out to feed your various tissues, they can sometimes get tangled up, disorganized and to a big kind of vascular lump. And we only treat them if they cause any kind of compression or, or if there's clots in there that eat up platelets, but they're quite frequent, actually. There's something that we're really familiar with. And hadrosaurs, who are now known as Edmont- Edmontosaurus, maybe because they're <laughs> okay. Canadian, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's just, there might have been found there. <laughs> One of the first specimens is usually how that name kind of sticks. <laughs> but yeah, about okay. 3% of its total bones contained a lump of some sort. Oh, wow, that's high. Now that could have just been, you know, a cancer, a, dinos- a dinosaur with a defective p53 gene, or it could have yeah. been uh, familial disease, and we'll never know. But these are the hard-hitting questions you should be asking your archaeologists and paleontologists. <laughs> well, we are trying our very best to find old preserved DNA. No, not in mosquitoes trapped in amber, you people, nerds. But in some in some other forms that we can find. Uh, and it is possible that we could compare ancient animals and extinct animals like this to modern ones, which are big and giant, and try to compare Oh, are there more copies of P53? Are there some of those repair enzymes that have been replicated or have certain mutations in them? You know, this is a very cool field of evolutionary biology that we could delve into if we could get our hands on a little more genetic material. And, uh, you know, maybe now that we found the very first woolly mammoth skeleton, we can start bringing stuff back. Oh yeah, <laughs> or just as likely, no, no. or just as likely, di- Jurassic diseases. So yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So that's it for this week. Now, Santosh, I did mention a little bit before, but you've lived in LA for several years now, and we went on your very first trip to the La Brea tar pits. So why don't you tell us about that for this week's just a tip? Oh yeah, thank you, Josh. I have lived here in L.A. now since 2010. No, sorry, since 2000. And, yeah, since 2010. And I'm really embarrassed to say that I didn't take the opportunity to take myself nor myself and my family to one of the most famous sites here in Los Angeles. 
Josh, it was so cool. Now, from everything that you told me, it's not as large or tar-filled as it used to be for various reasons, but it is still a beautiful outdoor, and I should tell everybody here, free exhibit just to walk around on the outside. You can certainly pay if you want to go inside of the museum where they have the assembled skeletons and stuff of the woolly mammoths, which are really cool. But it's a beautiful outdoor park. They have the tar pits there. And I think, Josh, the most interesting part for you and me were the scientists who are actually working there, some of whom are docents, and take the time out of their busy, busy day to greet tour groups. And she was a short little thing, so she stood up on a a literal soapbox (laughs) and gave us a lecture on ancient animals how they get stuck in the tar pits, the information that they use from the fossils when they dig them up and how they excavate and how they can shape together a picture of what that area of California used to be like and how it turned into what we know and love today. And they are very sweet. They're very patient and they are so brilliant and can answer so many different types of questions. So. Yes, especially if you want a nice free day, the outdoor exhibits at the La Brea Tar Pits just south there of the Beverly Grove. So if you want to do your, you know, your capitalist duty and shop around (laughs) and then come on south to enjoy some food for your brain and learn some really cool things about some ancient animals and ancient history of California. It is a great place to go. I absolutely love it. It also has a giant hill delightful for rolling down if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, we got to post that somewhere. <laughs> so I've, absolutely. So I've heard. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's asking for a friend. <laughs> or he's, so he's telling about it. That's, that's it for this week. As always, we'd love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. If you'd like to support us spiritually, emotionally, or financially, links to do that are in the show notes, along with links for further reading. The show is produced by me with a lot of help from Dr. Santosh and friends. Our theme music is composed by Rachel Leisure. And until next time, as always, wash your hands, get your shot, wear a mask if you're going to be in a crowded area, find a country that doesn't have any infections or active war zones or anything going on. And when you've done all of those things, look for a medical site to visit, book a ticket (laughs) and uh, happy travels. Bye guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.